Coming to you from Beaumont, this is your house call. I asked a six-year-old patient of mine, Rachel, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, president, with this smile that would just melt your heart. I kept thinking about Rachel the rest of the day, and I had some concerns about her. And the concerns were that her everyday obstacles might get in the way of her dreams to be president. What do I mean by this? Well, her father's incarcerated. Her mother's working two jobs and is rarely home. She lives in a really high-stress environment. Rachel is in and out of my office all the time because of her asthma. And it's not because she doesn't take her medication. I mean, she lives in an older building where there's dust mites that trigger her asthma on and off. The other thing is she's becoming obese because her mom just doesn't have the financial means to cook healthy meals. And she lives in a food desert. I keep telling Rachel she needs to exercise, but gym programming's just been cut from her school and her surrounding neighborhood is just unsafe. There's no parks for her to play in. Unfortunately, Rachel's story is all too familiar across America. Health is about making choices. So you think to yourself, yeah, I can choose to smoke or drink or diet or exercise. But making choices aren't solely about self-discipline. Choices are based off the options that we have. Some people have easy access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Others don't. Some live in nice neighborhoods and safe areas where you can run and bike and others don't. Some have well-financed schools with gym and arts and all sorts of after-school programming, and others don't. People like Rachel have a difficult path to health, and hence may never achieve her dream of being president. Is it Rachel's zip code that's holding her back? Have you ever thought about the options you have and how it affects your health? A zip code is just five numbers that should indicate where you live, not how long you live. Why are we talking about Rachel? It's because today's podcast, we're going to talk about how your zip code matters more than your genetic code. Welcome to the Belmont House Call Podcast. I'm Dr. Asha Shahjahan. And I'm Dr. Nick Gilpin. We're just two doctors who want to help you and your families live healthier lives. So Asha, so I see you everywhere. You're, uh, you're teaching dance classes in Gross Point. You're, you're, you're walking with the community. You're hosting walks with docs. Tell us what exactly it is you do and, and what is a family physician? Honestly, I actually wanted to go into health policy before becoming a physician. Um, and the reason why is because I thought the traditional physician stayed in his office or in the hospital. And, you know, you heard a chief complaint and then you diagnose a patient and send them off. And, you know, this goes on on repeat. And it wasn't until my experience in Washington, D.C., I actually entered for Senator uh, Carl Levin. Um, and then afterwards, I worked for um, Governor Granholm, uh, the governor of the former governor of Michigan. Uh, did I understand there was a true connection between the community and healthcare? And it, I realized that healthcare is everywhere. It's where we live, work, play, pray. And I found that family and community medicine was the perfect specialty for me because that's exactly you know what family medicine docs do. You know, yeah, we see patients in the hospital, we see patients in the clinic, but our focus is on wellness rather than illness and on prevention. So it's you know we don't just see the doctor when you're ill, you should see the doctor when you're well to stay well. And the other thing that I absolutely love about my job is that we get to go outside the four walls of the clinic. So that's where you see me dancing with the community or going on walks. We get to actually interact with the community. And we get to really be the grassroots of medicine where we get out there and we're with the community, find out what their issues are and uh, try to address them. I, I'm going to go back for a second because you mentioned something uh, in, in, your, in your opening story. You talked about zip codes. 
Let's talk about zip codes. What is it exactly about all this zip code stuff, about um, how it affects your health? I'm really interested in that. What can you tell me? I was in California, and I saw these large billboards that said Place Matters. And on it, they had um, two large billboards, one with a child that had one zip code on it, and it said 77 years. And the other one had a a different um, face of a child on it that said 55 years. And what they were trying to demonstrate in this campaign in California is that zip code matters. If you live in one, you could live to be 77 years old. If you live in another one that are just just adjacent, you could live to 55 years old. And that really just got me thinking about my patients um, and where they come from and what they struggle with. And so I decided to do some research uh, on my own. And I found that, you know, some zip codes, you can live up to 25 years less than if you live in a different zip code. And in some other zip codes, you can have three times the likelihood of having a heart attack hmm. than if you lived in a different zip code. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty shocking, some of the, um, the material that I found out there. And one thing I wanted to, to bring up as well is that as I was sorting through the literature, I found that our health really depends on a few factors. So you know, one is your physical environment. So whether or not there's pollutants around you, sure. but that's only 10% of the puzzle. 10% of your physical environment contributes to your overall health. Then there's biology and genetics. You know, everyone says, oh, my grandma had diabetes, so I'm doomed with diabetes. Well, that's only 15% Hmm. uh, what overall contributes to your health. And then there's you and I, healthcare. That's only 25% of what contributes to your overall health. But what is 50% that contributes to your overall health is what we call the social determinants of health, the social and economic development about where you live, hence your zip code. I got to step back for a second and, and, and digest some of what you just went through because it, it really shocks me when you when you say that. I mean, I don't think anybody out there is arguing that that biology and, and genetics are, are are where it's at. I mean, I think that uh, the, the the ship has sailed there. We all know that that environmental factors play a, a big role in everything. But as a as a physician, as someone who who takes care of patients, who who tries to help you know, collaborate with other doctors and provide good care. You're telling me 25% of, uh, I'm, I'm potentially helping 25%. It's really social determinants, economic factors that are making up the majority uh, of, of, uh, of an impact on, on somebody's livelihood. So 50% based on yeah. social determinants. Yeah, I think a lot of doctors struggle with that. And a lot of healthcare systems struggle with that. Um, but that's what the evidence is showing. And so we really need to uh, change our medical model and how we treat patients and get into the community. And again, that's what family and community medicine does. So let's talk for a second about social determinants. I want to dig into this a little bit more because, you know, you mentioned social determinants. Can you give me some specific examples of what those things are? So social determinants are things like um, transportation, your access to food, you know, what zip code you live in, what school do you go to? Those are what social determinants are. But The thing is, is that what social determinants lead to are health disparities. And what health disparities are, are preventable, higher burden of illness between two different populations. And I want to emphasize preventable. So what do I mean by that? So the the preventable difference in illness between people of different ages or different genders or um, disability status or sexual orientation, those are health disparities. 
And disparities are commonly viewed through the lens of race and ethnicity. But what we're finding is that it's really more so the social factors and the socioeconomic status of who you are, where you are, what you do, that really impacts your health. So let me give you an example. So if you look at the map of the United States, you look at the southern region, sort of like where in Georgia, Alabama, you know, Mississippi, those areas, um, they have the highest rate of poverty. And if you overlay a map of where we have the highest incidence of obesity in the United States, in the, it's in the exact same region. And coincidentally, you look at diabetes, you overlay that map. So you've got the poverty map, obesity map, diabetes map. They're all located in the southern region. And that's not by coincidence. So zip code really does matter. So if I, if I live in a, in a zip code um, in southeast Michigan that is, you know, maybe like a Oakland County zip code, uh, you know, nicer houses, nicer schools, I'm going to potentially live longer than someone who maybe lives in an area where they don't have access to nicer schools or, or better health care, maybe like an area in, in, in Detroit. Yeah. So basically, my point is that place matters. And if you look at the life expectancy in Gross Point, you know, where we both work at the hospital there, the life expectancy is 82 years of age. So it's, it's pretty good. But if you just go down a couple miles down I-94, you hit Harper Woods, and the life expectancy is 77 years of age. Okay, you go down a little bit further on 94, and you hit East Detroit. Now it's down to 70 years of age. And you travel down to Midtown, you know, despite all the redevelopment that's happening down there, it's only 69 years of age. Wow. So, I mean, just between a few miles, you have a huge, huge discrepancy in life expectancy. But in addition to that, if you think about it's not only these close proximities. In large um, areas we have, for example, like cities that are 80 miles apart, like Austin, Texas, for San Antonio. So if you look at the state of Texas, San Antonio is 78th in terms of health outcomes in life expectancy, so it's pretty bad. But if you look at Austin, it's fifth in the state of Texas. So hmm. it, it just really matters about the social circumstances in the cities that you live. But I want to highlight, too, it's not necessarily just that you live in an underserved uh, area. There are some areas, you know, that have higher incidence of cancer than other areas. And some of the affluent areas, people have a lot of chronic stress. And so there is a higher incidence of, you know, suicide in the schools um, or heart attacks, et cetera. I want to also kind of key in on uh, another thing that you mentioned that was a social determinant, and that is to, to talk a little bit more about transportation um, yeah. and how that's going to affect my health. Yeah, so for example, 3.2 million children missed or didn't schedule a medical visit because of lack of transportation. 3.2 million, it's crazy. And did you know as well, 5.5% of kids didn't go to school because they felt unsafe? Hmm. So I had a patient, I'll tell you the story. Um, she's one of my favorite patients. This was when I was working on the east side of Detroit. And she was on this basketball scholarship. Like she wanted to be a basketball player. This was her thing. She was 16 years old, and she came to my clinic and ended up um, getting pregnant. And she told me, Dr. Shah Jahan, I am going to have to drop out of school. You know, and I looked at her, and I thought to myself, okay, she wants to drop out of school because she feels that she's not going to be able to handle school and a baby, or um, maybe she needs to get a job to afford her child. And so I asked her, I said, why? Why do you want to drop out of school? And her answer was stunning. She said, you know, I walk to school every day. I get catcalled. I put my life in danger as I walk down these streets, but I'm okay with that. I'm used to it. There's no way I'm going to put my child through that danger. I don't feel safe walking to school. 
So that was stunning to me. And, you know, luckily I was able to call her principal and we were able to arrange transportation for her. And, you know, this is actually a really happy story is, hmm. you know, forward three years, she ends up having her child. And once I, I came to Beaumont, she found me in the clinic and she came over with her three-year-old daughter. She had ended up graduating high school, moving out of that neighborhood and was doing really, really well. Good stuff. So the other thing I wanted to let you know about was also, you know, we were talking about life expectancy and you were, you were recently in Bali, weren't you? I was, I just took a trip. I was in, uh, I was in Japan and I was in Bali. Wonderful time. Yeah. So the United States, um, the average life expectancy is about 78.5 years, which isn't, it's okay. It it actually ranks 48th in the world. Really? So that's kind of not great, but you were just in Japan and Japan is one of the highest uh, life expectancy rates of 85.3. Um, so that was, that was pretty interesting to me. And I think, I think I get that because, you know, having spent just a, just a short amount of time there, you, you know, you, you look at the people of Japan, they're very active. They walk a lot. Um, they, they eat a diet that's very high in, in, in fish and, and in lean meats and, and, uh, and, and they're, they don't consume a tremendous amount of alcohol. Um, it's a very clean place. I was really, really impressed with how clean everything was in Japan. So I, I guess I can kind of see some of that. Yeah, maybe we should move to Japan. What do you think about that? <laughs> so I got a pop quiz for you. Okay. Okay, which state in the United States do you think has the highest life expectancy? Uh, okay, so uh, the highest life expectancy. So I'm thinking... And I'm going to get to my answer here real quick. But I, I'm thinking about a place where people are generally going to be active, uh, where they're going to probably eat a little bit more, and where they're also going to have access to health care. I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with California. That is a good guess, and a lot of people guess California. But it's actually Hawaii. Uh-huh. Hawaii, 81.2 years. So we should all just pick up and move to Hawaii. I'm in. Um, what about the lowest life expectancy, which state would you guess? Okay, so using the same logic of, of trying to figure out who the best life expectancy is, I'm going to say that this is probably going to be um, a state that's more known for their poverty, probably more known for their obesity, probably not as active in terms of lifestyle. I'm going to go with, um, boy, I, I really hate to pick on these poor states. I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> Arkansas. Very close, Mississippi. Okay. So Mississippi, the life expectancy is only 74.8 years of age. Wow. Um, So you can kind of see Michigan sort of in the middle, you know, between 81 and 74. But one thing I wanted to highlight is, you know, in the state of Michigan, we're not doing fantastic. Like our obesity rate is 31.4%, which is the 10th highest in the nation. Hmm. And our smoking rates are 21.2%. You might think, okay, that's not that bad, but it's the ninth highest in the nation. Hmm. So we have a lot of work to do here in Michigan in terms of trying to improve health. Yeah, no question about it. So, okay, so you've, you've successfully uh, uh, simultaneously increased my awareness and also horribly depressed me. <laughs> um, I guess now is the time when I get to ask what, uh, what other things we can do about this. Yeah, it does sound pretty dismal, right? That, you know, if you live in a, in a bad social circumstance that you're not going to be able to get out of it. But the purpose of, of talking about the social determinants and about your zip code is that there are things that we can do. And the biggest thing we can do is invest in our community. Like I said before, health is where you live, work, play, and pray. Community health is 
everywhere. It's using prevention and education to improve our geographic locations. So what I'm saying is that everyone needs to work together. It's not just a healthcare responsibility. It's not just you and I as docs having to take care of this issue. It's not just individual patients like Rachel who have to uh, navigate the system. It's all of us together. So in 2011, um, Regina Benjamin, the former Surgeon General, put forth the National Prevention Strategy. And in this, she said, multiple sectors um, of people have to work together. So this is the individuals, the families, businesses, nonprofits, educational centers, churches, governments. We all play a role. So for example, if you're a business owner, think to yourself, how do I keep my employees healthier? How do I invest in the health of my employees? Or if you're in the community, how do we invest more in making healthy neighborhoods? Is this the same kind of idea like that I'm seeing right now, a big, a big buzzy thing that's going on in corporate America is that they're, they're uh, particularly like Silicon Valley, I'm hearing about corporate offices that are putting basically gymnasiums inside of their buildings, yeah. or they're putting like areas where you can go and meditate for 20 minutes. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so it was interesting that you mentioned that. So I was just in Harper Woods. Uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, they were doing some city planning. So in that area, there's um, the Eastland Mall area that's um, kind of um, lost a lot of businesses. And I was so impressed with the city of Harper Woods because they had all these different um, committees. So one committee on public uh, safety, one committee on education. And they brought me in so that we could talk about, in each of those subcategories, how health plays a role. So when they're talking about public safety, I brought in, okay, we need to make sure our parks are safe first and foremost so that kids can play in a neighborhood and get some exercise. Or our educational system, like what are, what's the food like? What's the food that these kids are eating in the cafeteria? So I thought that was very pretty progressive of, of Harper Woods to do, to think about how health inter, interrelates with all of these different disciplines. And that's really how we can improve uh, the social determinants by all of us working together. I have another example. So when you think about the government, so usually when people hear about social determinants, they'll say, you know, I teach and the residents that I teach always tell me, you know, this is just way too beyond what doctors can do, you know, Hmm. taking care of like streets and making sure there's walkability. That's like not in our expertise. And likewise, a lot of citizens will say, this is the government's responsibility. This is not just ours. You know, but I listed different ways that we can all pitch in. But one of the things that, for example, that the government did, but it's really from citizenship and voting was the whole ban on smoking in, in public places. Yeah. And that actually showed a significant reduction in smoking. And so it, there's a lot of things we can do in advocacy and as individuals just in voting um, to be able to make changes in our communities. I remember the big thing that I noticed when the smoking ban happened. I think I was in college at the time. And, and my, you know, being a non-smoker, the thing that I noticed the most was that my clothes would smell better. Oh, after God, yeah. <laughs> I had to wash my hair immediately. I was like, oh. You know, or you went out and your mom didn't know that you went out and then all of a sudden you smell like smoke. It's like, what can you do? Exactly. Um, uh, the other thing uh, that I also wanted to bring up is, you know, we talked about government, we talked about individuals and businesses and, and cities and stuff. But, you know, as healthcare systems, like Beaumont is doing awesome things. So, you know, there is a particular zip code, um, the city of River Rouge. Um, you may be familiar. They mm-hmm. have a lot of factories. Yes, they do. And they have one of the highest incidents of asthma in that city. And unfortunately, a lot of kids were missing school because they were going home with asthma attacks. Um, they were in difficulty breathing. They were getting headaches in school. And it was just causing a lot of problems with, with the kids there. So Beaumont ended up investing in a clinic, a teen clinic, in River Rouge High School. And it, it helped so much in 
the fact that we were able to give asthma education to those kids, the kids were able to um, come to the doctor's office within the school instead of having to leave school for their care. Mm -hmm. So these are the kinds of things I'm talking about, like partnering with our communities, you know, looking at how we can look at health differently from a lens that it involves different aspects such as business and education and, you know, city government. How do we all work together? How do we partner with one another to make things a lot better. The focus today on community health has been absolutely crucial. I mean, clearly this is something we need. I've really enjoyed listening to all the things you have to say. We as physicians clearly have to work with our communities and truly, truly be partners in care. I absolutely agree. And like I said, this is why I just love community medicine. I, I honestly think the future of medicine is that all specialties will be community focused and patient and family centered. And that's what's going to happen in our future. And I think we'll see, we'll reap the benefits as a community from that. Absolutely. Now, when you have a partnership or a relationship, then when something does go wrong and there's an emergency, you already know who in your community you can trust and, and where you can go if it is help that you need. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this sort of leads us to our next podcast. It's going to be about orthopedic care, right? In my next podcast, I'm going to be talking with an orthopedic surgeon, and we're going to talk about sports medicine. I'm really excited about that conversation. And I'll also try to tackle some other issues in future podcasts, things like health benefits of meditation, mindfulness, diabetes management, uh, cancer screening benefits, and so on and so on. We'll also be talking about the loneliness epidemic, which has been hot on the news and, you know, really affects more people than you think. We want to also remind you to send along any questions or suggestions that you might have to podcast at Beaumont.org. In a future podcast, we'll answer our mailbag. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And so I'd like to leave us today with this healthy thought. So let's think back to Rachel. You know, I really want to see her be president or whatever it is that she wants to be. I don't want her health or her zip code to get in her way. None of us wants our health or our lives to be held back because of where we live. So let's work together as a community. And remember, health is where you live, work, play, and pray. We all have a role to play. If you're a business owner, how do you improve the health of your employees? Who can you partner with? How do you make your family healthier? If you are a healthcare provider, how can you partner to improve the health of your communities? Your zip code is a five-digit number that should indicate where you live, not how long you live.